What's up, everybody? Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on where you're at in the country or the world. Uh, this is MSP Community Live, doing what we do every single Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. And I'm Ray Orsini, joined as always by Mr. Matt Topper. How you doing, my friend? Doing all right. How about you? Happy to I'm be good, here. I'm good, dude. I'm good. I uh, I was rushing here. Uh, you saw me with a green screen tip because uh, I was cooking downstairs and then had to rush up uh, over here. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. Like when you first came on, it looked like you had uh, a potato camera's predecessor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I don't know what it is. It's the MacBook or uh, maybe it's when I'm downstairs or what, because I've done it on uh, wins and losses that I do with Slagle. Uh, every Tuesday at seven, now moving to seven thirty, and uh, when I'm down there, it's like it goes ghost white, and then like I, I look like something out of bad sci-fi. So you know, <laughs> you should do you that intentionally do? one day, so we can get like right? a, a preview, like bad camera day. Ooh, we should do that for Halloween. Like whatever closest MSP Live is for uh, Halloween week, we should we do should it. Totally then. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, how you doing, my friend? Good. Getting caught up from uh, traveling last week, and everything's good. Glad to be here. Glad to see that my uh, spot wasn't permanently given away. Heard last week's episode <laughs> went really well. Uh, Kyle Spooner did hold it down really well. Kelvin, uh, you know, he's always dying to take anybody's spot in the limelight. Anytime you can have him on camera, he's happy. Um, limelight, nice. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he was on Tech Bar last Thursday, too, so uh, very cool. Uh, Tim, I don't know if you noticed my uh, my stiff my – Biffy hat there, my uh, compliance risk hat. That looks good. Yeah, I was rushing to uh, rushing to grab a hat because I'll be honest, I totally forgot about MSP Community Live until like ten minutes ago. So Ouch. I was downstairs, put the player on the uh, five minute countdown video, and then rushed my ass upstairs. So, so all the stuff we talked about, respect your audience, just out the window. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we can respect them on the professional shows. This is more about like just talking shit with your friends. On <laughs> yeah, fair, <laughs> fair. That's why I'm blown out too. Of course, this. my battery died, so I'm like replacing the battery for my uh, the remote for my lights. So speaking of bad cameras, but <laughs> how how was exchange, dude? It, it was good. I, I had a great time. Um, this was a big speaking spot for me. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so yeah, that's right. Now, you were excited about your speaking spot. Would you uh, would you end up speaking on? So we'll see how this goes over, but it had nothing to do with ConnectWise products at all. It was about the uh, pains and pitfalls about uh, when we did our big merger, uh, what that looks like, things to do and not do based on that when you're bringing companies together, mm -hmm. um, how that's going. Because merger is, right, M&A is huge in oh, the yeah. MSP space. And for, for you know, sure. Learning the lessons from someone who's gone through it, I thought was valuable. And, and the feedback I got was very good, too. It's, it's always nice, uh, nice to do. We've had, um, so we did an M&A series from the vendor side. So I had Luis Girado and uh, Alex Farling uh, with the LCI scale pad acquisition uh, talking on it from the vendor side. And then from the MSP side, we did part one of a two-part series uh, for from the MSP side with Dean Trempolis, uh, who actually is now my director of client success, but he worked at an MSP that was not acquired once, but twice. Mm -hmm. um, both by PE-backed giant MSPs. Um, and so we talked through the first acquisition. We're going to do it again on the second one. Both of those are, I think we did partner first. I'll put the links in the chat. Um, and yeah, Alden, uh, you did meet Matt Topper at GeekCon for sure. 
um that's where we uh unveiled the <laughs> we took, <laughs> took you from behind the curtains uh we, we definitely doxed matt at a uh, geek for like the 15th time right and we've done it like 20 times since so you know uh, that's always fun. Yeah, MA is all the rage these days. It Can is. You inquire, Matt. You wouldn't be the first time to ask to first person to ask that, though. Um, that's true. Matt's a hot topic, man. Matt Topper is a uh, top of the list. <laughs> if I can get oh. too cheesy, I know that was oh, bad. Man. <laughs> so, never what, heard that uh, one before, right? I bet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so, uh, I say we get into it. Um, we have, you know, we cover our. Uh, which we call it our stories of the week. Uh, and actually, I'm going to do this um, instead of just going to Reddit and bringing up the conversations we said we were going to cover, uh, which we will. I'd also like to ask the audience, were there any odd, were there any conversations that you guys were really interested in? Because uh, this is the community live, right? That's the whole oh, point. And we're on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's we got to come up with those ideas on the spot. I mean, can't have Kyle Spooner being the reigning guy with all the great ideas, right? <laughs> uh, so, which I'm call it. So, let me see here. Uh, I did send a really good link about a which RMM should you use question in case you're out of material. Oh, I mean, I can never stop talking about that. I mean, talk about awesome, <laughs> awesome topics. Um, let's see here. We have when it's software dev and not MSP services. We have how do you manage your tier one help desk? Uh, we have the endless search for a new PSA RMM tool. Any ideas, which is the one you're talking about. Um, I'll give you dealer's choice. Which one of those you want to do first? We should throw out the RMM PSA question. Just because, um, you know, I get it. Top of the uh, top of the episode. Let's get it out of the way. That makes total sense. No, we should throw that one in the trash can. Oh, we should. <laughs> like, literally <laughs> throw it out. To the trash. There we go. Here, here's so. the one thing I'll say. Like, <laughs> stop spending so much time focusing on which tool to use and just pick one and make it as awesome as it can be. Here's it's my uh, 30 seconds of it. It's, I mean, and I and I want to give credit for it. That exact conversation was happening on uh, MSP Geek Discord or, uh, or Slack, wherever you're on. It was on MSP Geek and uh, MSP General tonight. It was somebody asking, you know, they have all the other pieces in place. They're looking for a PSA and RMM. And they asked PAX 8. They've asked the community. And nice enough, the uh, feedback that came out was from uh, Brandon, uh, known as Giga, uh, on most of the platforms. And uh, Ben, I forgot his handle, but they were talking about just start working, get clients, yeah. <laughs> don't worry about the rest. You'll figure it out as you go, as we've all done. Right. They're all capable. They can all create tickets. They can all manage workstations and right there. Yeah. Pros and cons to each of them, but just pick something and get cracking. And, and, Let's be honest, uh, while every PSA and RMM package has their release schedule and they absolutely do feature and bug fixes and all that stuff and releases on whatever schedules they have, the information from six months ago is not outdated by any means. Uh, yeah. If you really yeah. want to get opinions, just search, do a little bit of research, maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. So let's see. Uh, so yes, that that's my thought on picking an RMM PSA. And I'm not supposed to say that, right? I'm supposed to be the use connect wise. Be, go stuff, connect wise. But, but just just pick yeah. one. Yeah. No, I I'm with you 100. Uh, and for what it's worth, I was absolutely a scam suite uh, user and and absolutely loved it. Um, but I'll tell you, I went from uh, and again keeping this vendor agnostic, but I went from fresh desk with fresh service and some other stuff mixed in to auto task enable to connect wise, uh, full connect wise suite. Um, and now I'm on Salesforce and I'll tell you, as long as you know what you want to accomplish, 
you can pretty much get it done with almost any platform. Yeah. Um, yeah it's not all that complicated. Um, PSA, you mean 365 <laughs> Dynamics? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, that does yeah. sound like a lot of dev work, though. It does. And speaking of dev work, dev work that's a uh, perfect cue right into the next story. Um, when is it software dev and when is it MSP services? So uh, I, th I thought that the actual question was better than the title. Like okay. the, the meat of this, when you actually read what they're asking, is good. The, the title is bad. And I guess that's why it got totally crushed with zero upvotes. Yeah. Um, I'll be nice. But I think what they're getting at is if, if you are a tech and you come across a client that has something that you personally are capable of doing that's not in a thing you officially do as an organization when do you say yes to that and when do you say no to that and how yeah. do you decide what to do i think that's a worthwhile discussion it's scope creep i mean that happens that that absolutely yeah. happens um and that's basically what it is it says they want me to set up some api integrations software in question does not currently work together both have APIs. I can link the actions with lambdas, but the LTS uh, of the code and the API is something I don't know how to price. Bonus info, the first major contract in my brand new MSP, which I think is why this is coming up. Um, so is he saying he's the owner? It sounds like that. I, yeah. I mean, it's a brand new MSP. I'm going to go solo man shop trying to take whatever revenue they can get. Yeah, I would okay. guess. Uh, I expect it, I, it would keep the lights on. Do I take the project or firm it out? Thanks for the input. Ooh, that's another good point. Like, yeah. On day one, you might do this, and year 10, you might not do this. I can, you know, so I did that. I did, that was the hardest part for me as I evolved as an MSP. It was in the beginning, I did a lot of stuff that were absolutely in my skill set. But as we grew and I added staff, it was stuff that was in my skill set that maybe wasn't in their skill set. Yeah. Um, and this is not a train up your staff. Remember, I was an MCSE, I was a CCIE. There's no reason in the world to have multiple of those, any of those classes in a small MSP. Like at our max, I think we were like 25 people. Um, there's no reason in the world you need more, even one CCIE or even you know, multiple MCSEs. It's just not not the need. So there was no need to train them up to my skill sets either. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. the things I could do became things that were absolutely I want to say worthless um, for the MSP eventually because it became stuff only I could do. So anytime there was any kind of request, it was taking me away from doing the owner things I should have been doing. Um, you got it. Yeah. And yeah, that's that becomes harder and harder as you get bigger. And so I would look at that and maybe say, do you want to farm it out and say, OK, well, this is always going to be farmed out. So it's not a tear. Right. I, I did this for an entire client for a while they had they were doing some kind of um high performance cluster linux stuff and like yeah i can support that and guess what i ended up supporting that for my entire time at the organization and yep. we would get calls like yeah matt's out in the field right now so good luck yeah you know it, it just doesn't work things yeah it was i mean you know my my background i did i did a lot of phone systems uh back in the day um so i did a lot of ccm a lot of unities a lot of q a lot of my televia but mostly voip systems so asterisk free pbx uh digium that kind of fun stuff um and i got i built some really cool things with a lot of really uh niche hardware um and i squeeze every iota of of juice out of these little you know 600 megahertz systems uh, but they were perfect for little pbx's at, at clients offices 
And then I realized I was the only one that knew the inner workings. And even if I trained other people, um, I think the biggest headache was I built a multi-continent platform for an enterprise and it worked flawlessly. I mean, it was dialing out of the local countries, so they had the most advantageous calling prices. And I, I did all this really cool shit for this trading company. And then I was the only one that could do a damn thing about it. And yeah. what made it worse is because it was so customized, I couldn't even hand it off to anybody else. Like yeah, exactly. there was literally nobody I could say has done this exact thing before. Now, eventually I found some friends and it was time for their upgrade cycle and I was able to hand off, uh, swiftly, but, um, it was rough, man. It was, it was really, really rough. So, so you said it worked perfectly. So that one wasn't call manager, right? <laughs> no, it was thankfully they did not have the skill set. It was pure MSP. Uh, so <laughs> they, their, their Spanish and Italian offices had like, like one internal IT person, but they let yeah. me have the run of the show uh, for many, many, many years. Um, um, yeah. Uh, so Alden says, I made a GUI for 365 partner management. It broke a few times. And at this point, I'd rather just point him to the tool that most of us use instead. So we heard it here. Alden is the original creator of SIP. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. Alden. <laughs> Actually, he does have one PR uh, that was uh, pull, uh, pulled into the, uh, the main repo. So, um, I'm going to get a PR for like updating the graphic or something. Oh, I'm going to go even less. I'm going to do like comments on the code, like something nobody <laughs> yeah. will ever see, but it's going to be in my Fix PR. some spacing. Yes. <laughs> do do ta change everything to tabs from spaces and, uh, and we're good to go. Um, all right. Um, so Alden says PSA fatigue is the main thing. People get stopped at before getting a client. Yeah, I could not for sure anymore. A hundred percent. Um, Ray's gonna get me banned from the channel next, <laughs> dude. If we haven't been banned, I think you're okay. Matt's nicer than I am, but I, if I haven't been banned, I think yeah, we're good. Who even knows anymore? Um, but but on this this discussion, I think mm -hmm. it would be a like you were alluding to. It's a different mindset if you're talking about when you're still in that. I just need the revenue phase, right? When you're just starting to get off the ground, you'll do anything just to get the numbers and pay for it oh, later. For sure. Most likely, trying to unwind that. Yeah. Yeah, it's we did I've, that all over the place, dumb dude, stuff. And I've been there. I've been there. I'm, you know, I and I. I'm not gonna lie. I threw spaghetti at the wall many times, and you kind of have to as you grow your business. That's not. It's strategic spaghetti, but there are things you have to do, right? Like, you know, I did the monitoring only. I did the break fix. I did the block hours, and I did a billion other things that I try to get into certain niches, and I realized I don't like it. And so, yeah. You know, weird I mean? stuff like, yeah, we'll uh, we'll include all PC installs for free or some weird stuff like that that haunts you for the life of the agreement. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, but uh, if you wrote it equals job security, but it also means you can't take a vacation, you can't take time off, you can never retire. So I'm not sure I want that kind of job security. Uh, it's bad news. Nikki says, join me from the channel and I'll make cookies. If there are cookies, then I, I'd be okay with that, actually. Uh, yeah, I think we're all in. That, that's uh, Keep that out of the health and uh, fitness channel. Um, I agree with this. Yeah. Do it outside the agreement and include a supportability in whatever you do with that and just kind of be hands-off afterwards. But there's a theme there, right? How many MSPs start their MSPs without a plan for the business? And when you how many msps would take business like this and not have any longevity plans what's going to be the refresh cycle what's going to be the update cycle what's going to be the supportability how's going to be the handoff where are we going to stop 
building new features for it and how are we going to mean you know what i mean there's a lot i do i do software life cycle these are not small questions and uh i definitely would you got to think about this stuff which is why i say you know what you want to sub it out i'm cool with it sub it out to a company that does this full time and i because i've always called an msp a general contractor bringing in all the other subs uh i'm totally good with that but keep in mind you're gonna have to still answer all of those questions so this is another thing you get better at with experience where you you just start to have a feel for okay you know is this like a one-off thing i can write this script for them or am i taking on like a software dev role by doing this and it can be hard to tell sometimes um you you just i i personally i think it's one of those things you got to get burned a couple of times and then you start to know where the line is it's funny because you know you came from a large msp um you know even though we were small staff wise we did okay revenue wise and uh whatchamacallit people always like you talk to newcomers to the space and they always say the same thing they're like yeah those are decisions that are more easy when you're bigger but when you're smaller blah and it's has nothing to do with size it's when you've been doing this long enough you're just tired of that shit. it's not yes it's not a size it's not a revenue it's just a it's not the juice isn't worth the squeeze in my opinion um so it's an experience thing right the experience was you know we we weren't big in the beginning and we weren't big for quite a while but once we had been doing this for years we knew what to do and what not to do because of screwing up previously a hundred percent a hundred percent all right let's see here how do you manage okay some of the comments on this one were kind of dickish i, I gotta be honest i didn't read the comments i just saw the, the initial <laughs> so me, <laughs> i didn't see one single comment on this <laughs> so it's it starts with how do you manage your help desk uh it says we're a european-based msp with 100 or so clients usually smb with 100 or so users on average uh i was recently it's a big promoted. average client yeah right um, I was recently promoted. Now I have a say in how we do approach and how we approach our biggest pain point, our help desk, our level one help desk has been around 10 people. Their performance is completely disastrous. They do everything manually, such as sorting, escalating, even when the alerts and our monitoring systems are manually rewritten to our JIRA and so on. Oh, an MSP using JIRA. That's They're using JIRA for yeah, interesting. Right. <laughs> uh, to be able to sort out uh, service requests from our client, even the basic ones is almost unheard of. We automated a lot of tasks, even ones with one person, uh, even when one person left the help desk, it turns out all his work could have been done by two logic apps. Of course, at the end of the day, it's not completely their fault. It's our responsibility to make it work. Good on him for taking that. Um, I'm now trying to find a way how to kickstart them again. Any tips? Wow. So before we go into the comments, because I can only imagine what the comments are going to read. Um, I only saw the top one. The top one was not nice. Um, so what what's your feedback here what uh, is there enough to provide feedback here no yeah i think it's a good discussion starter more so this is the kind of thing that this person would get benefit from having a conversation with someone like at a conference or something rather than a reddit post which i I know is hard to uh do online but that's the kind of conversation starter you start at the bar and just talk about yeah it's it's i mean and that's one of those things like i'd love to see that person join any of the communities because we've all been there uh you know what i mean there's there, i don't think there's any single one of us that that says yeah our msp help desk is absolutely perfect um lord knows where we're finding ours every day that's, yeah. that's just a normal thing um but you know i guess it starts with look, write down your pain points which he has 
lack of automation, even when one person's down, focusing on the wrong things. I think maybe it's just a prioritization thing. Um, so it's really hard to say. I, 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 I read a couple of different possibilities in that. I, I hear either two new techs like who aren't used to being support desk people. I hear possibly a lack of documentation, like maybe those guys didn't set up the environments and don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, I, I possibly see lack of standardization in the environment. Everyone's trying to reverse engineer on the support desk call. And I possibly see in this that they just don't know what to do necessarily. Yeah. Like they're, they're just kind of Maybe a little floating. bit of paralysis from uh, just looking at the Yeah, ocean. maybe they're not empowered enough to like really fix things and they're just band-aiding every now and then or every call that comes in. So I think we need more info on yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, if I'm looking at this, I'm seeing they're doing a lot of stuff manually, but this also may be colored by, I'm going to make a large assumption here. Um, they're using Jira. Uh, he talks about automation. Um, obviously, this person has experience in automation because he's he's not only saying this can be automated, he's saying, I know exactly how to automate this. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this this is maybe a software house that got into It's support. so funny. I was thinking that too. Yeah. I just, I mean, still not. So I'll give some high level advice and then we'll get into the the comments and then see how badly it got um high level advice organization because if they're they're manually doing everything including sorting and escalating with the 10 person help desk they don't have a dispatcher they don't have uh they're obviously escalating and sorting based on something so there's some kind of policy um document it all assign you know organize it and i would say how do you get in, in the team engaged engage them in the decision-making process at the yeah. end of the day you're still going to make the decisions but engage them in in the conversation and they're going to be more apt to adopt it which is going to be the other half of the battle right it's not a, it's not a come up with all the answers it's you got to get them to do it and that's that's hard um so does the size seem strange to you also because they, they said yeah. they have 100 clients, 100 each. So we're talking 10,000 endpoints or 10,000 10 users, whatever, yeah. with 10 guys taking calls. Yeah, that's... That seems and, low. And that's why I say, like, this this seems to me symptomatic of maybe an accounting house that has a, uh, started an MSP side or a software house and said, we can start... This does not scream... I can't imagine how you get to 10,000 users or even say it's internet exaggeration, say 7,000 users, right? Even if yeah, we're yeah. You know, doing multiple, <clears throat> it's still a lot to do with 10 people. Um, they obviously have a structure because if this guy came from somewhere else, this guy or woman, I don't know what this is. Um, yeah. But if this person came from a different position and now is in a position to manage this, it means there was another position that the person was in, whether it was help desk or something else. So, so there's, it's definitely a larger organization structure. Right. That that's and I'm guessing I'm pulling stuff out of the, you know, thin air, but I'm reading tea leaves. But at the same time, it's I don't know, it's pretty uh pretty on part on point for me. So we have might be unpopular, but for the pay that L1s have gotten at every MSP I ever worked, they shouldn't be and we're not expected to automate anything. They follow processes. There's a lot to unpack there. Matt, what's your opinion on that comment? Did did you catch the eye roll? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where that even came from. Like, okay, someone should automate stuff. And yeah. 
if you have an L1 that's capable of writing automation, then awesome. But that's not even the point of the suggestion to automate things. Right. Like just take, get your senior guys to do it if they're the only ones who can do automation. And I, and I don't get that. Like, you know, at the same time, if I have somebody that wants to do something, that's how I'm training them up. You know what I mean? I'm not making them do it as part of their ticket time. I'll separate time for to do it. But that's exactly how we do with our techs. We separate time for them to learn other skills. And usually they want to learn new skills. Um, the pay thing, I don't want to get into because some well, MSP uh, suck. Some are great. I mean, let, let's be honest. The people who want to write code, write bad code. Imagine what's going to come out of somebody who doesn't want to do yeah, it. That's true. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Um, let's see here. Oh, he agreed with something. Let's see, uh, people who are mindful about are on their way to second line. Those that don't will be level one forever. I don't disagree at all. It's hard to understand if you're not like that. I don't really understand it myself. Different kind of people. We have the same issues. A lot of them that drive to learn and do more or only talk about wanting to get second line, but don't actually do anything. I've seen that plenty too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the easiest this whole comment chain though is focusing on the who and like that's to me that's yeah. wasted effort and focus like the, yeah. the organization obviously needs automation and spending their time infighting about who does it is not valuable to anyone agreed agreed 100 percent. this is an organizational systemic problem this is not a people problem i love jira but i feel like using it as an msp is a mistake uh no disagree i mean you, again we started this with you can use anything you could make it work it, i mean i i think it would be pretty clunky but right going back to what we said before um you'll probably spend a lot more time making the tool work than something msp decide, uh, driven but you could yeah, do it i mean for me it came down to and this is exactly why i moved from the tools i moved from uh into each tool it came from it wasn't so much about could the tool do the job. It was what ecosystem integrations were there, right? Yeah. Because a swivel chair thing is a serious thing. That's that's misery. Um, and Jay McBain talked about the average MSP uh, help desk has like 17 tools or some nonsense like that. Um, not nonsense. It's legit. It just it sucks. Um, you know, so it's not a can Jira do the job. It's can Jira do the job with my dashboarding, my RMM, my billing software? My, you get what I'm saying? Like it becomes more complicated when they're not ecosystem things. Yeah, um, right. They're going to find themselves writing like little glue scripts for every single thing they want to do. 100%. 100%. Uh, Sandy says tier one's getting automated out of a job. Um, That's kind of a legit point in that. Do you think so? Like I'm 50 50 on this. Well, I, I think it furthers an idea that we had had or, or we've talked about which is we don't really hire tier ones or what most of the industry calls a tier one anyway yeah. like the guys who just answer the phone and reset passwords and things hmm. um we, we try to do what the rest of the industry calls a tier two and hire them as tier ones and they they, they don't stay in that role too long right anybody who's particularly good at it wants to get out of that in most cases we, we've had a few people who wanted the lower stress of being in it but um, I think the the days of the tier one, like resetting passwords and doing stuff like that, I think don't think that'll last too much longer. Yeah, I, I it's funny because you see these job postings and they'll be like, I'm looking for a tier one and a half. <laughs> it's like you see some um, tier one postings. I'm like, man, am I qualified for this? I'm not sure. Right. I think Kelvin had brought up uh, he did this uh, in a private group. He had brought up somebody that was looking for five years of SIP experience. 
Sith hasn't been around for five years. <laughs> so <laughs> Kelvin's not qualified. Right. Yeah, that's what he said. He goes, I'm not qualified. <laughs> the the one redeeming factor was his SIP and Cyberdrain experience. And the blog has been around since uh cyberdream.com has been around for like since 2013, 2012, something like that. Yeah. Um so Sandy followed it up. Now tier one will be current tier two, which is exactly what you what you said. Um, I agree with that. And it's funny because I always said that I've never heard it elsewhere. So it's funny that you articulate it, but I've always said that my tier ones are closer to tier twos than tier one, especially being a VoIP provider. Like they're all reading PCAPs. They're all reading packet, you know, uh, which we call it SIP ladders and call traces. But it's interesting that, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to hear from somebody else too. Um, that that's an option. So Alden, don't worry. Uh, if you're sad, I got something to make you happy. It's a spooner. So <laughs> <laughs> what's up, dude? What's up, Kyle? How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good, good. Brother, good. I appreciate you joining. Um, you know, always nice to have you on here, dude. Yeah, um, thanks for let's see. So we're talking about uh, this post where this level one uh which call it this guy just this person just took control where they have authority to change all the mess that is their level one help desk um also we didn't mention this uh matt but if he's referring to a level one help desk it intimates that there's possibly a level two a level three again signs of a larger organization here um yeah that's a good point yeah because i mean we have level one help desk techs and level two and level three, but they work the same help desk. They're just assigned different tickets. So I wonder, again, I wonder if this, I, I really want to know, know who this is. We should like yeah. come, come to it nation and we will right? discuss all of this I, uh, or, or any industry event doesn't have to be a connect wise one. It's a, oh, yeah. I mean, but I'll be at it nation. We'll all be at all it nation. Uh, so Kyle, I'm, I'm speaking for you. You're going to be at it nation. We'll just figure out how, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, this is an interesting conversation because uh, uh, we built a system that um, currently, which I don't like, we don't really have tiers, which I don't like because it doesn't allow for streamlining and efficiency gains. It's just throw a ticket and someone can work it. Like, yeah. There are kind of estimations on when the team leads to sign their tickets. So they have an assumption of where a ticket can land, but there's no official segmentation of who does what, where, and why. And that causes for inefficiencies, which I don't like. Um, but we do have a team dedicated to what we call quick fixes, uh, okay. password yeah. resets, uh, new user account creations, terminations, um, things that they can take and know it's under 15 minutes to resolve for the client. Um, why we're not at this specific stage, I would love to have everything flow through our quick fix team first, have them do a, uh, assessment to see what they think it can be. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. yes, I can fix this in 15 minutes. No, I can't. Cause if they can say, no, I can't fix this in 15 minutes, that's going to be 99.9% .9 accurate. Right. Um, because they're a low-level team, they're not designed to do massive troubleshooting. If they know they can't fix it, there's no point in them sitting on and trying it. Okay. And then Are we you, escalate. Real into... quick, do you guys have a dispatcher? I was going to ask that. Stop stealing my question, Ray. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, he's. It, it sounds like you're using the text as a dispatcher. 
and that's why I'm asking. Yeah, we do have a dispatcher. We so have. Why aren't they doing two. this? Um, this is what I would want. This is what, this is my vision of how I'd like it all to flow, right? Okay. Our quick fix basically triages the ticket to determine where it goes and what it's about, right? Because if we get an email ticket that says, "Hey, my Outlook doesn't work," that doesn't tell me anything other than the problem. It doesn't even tell me that problems in Outlook, <laughs> right? Can, uh, I, can I mention? We're saying, that, how did you send this email? And that's my first question. <laughs> so, and then you get smacked down with like, I sent it from my phone. You're like, oh, that makes sense. It's not what I thought of, but it, yeah, I've, I've I've been on the losing side of that argument. But here's my thing. So, I lost my train of thought. Please continue. <laughs> sure, it, it'll come back to you. I didn't take my meds today, so um, ADHD is on fire. So the the our our dispatcher isn't technical. Um, okay. So they actually. Uh, just assign tickets. Our team leads can assign tickets as well. So they, if they feel like they have a better estimation um, of, of what it, it's, our system isn't what we want to be eventually in the far flung future. Um, mm -hmm. It's just working for us at this particular moment in a way. But my dream scenario is quick fix triages all the tickets that come into the help desk. Mm -hmm. uh, and that runs into the individual teams. Our teams are segmented and they have their own client bases. They deal with their own clients. That's their situation, right? Um, you don't worry that that creates a bottleneck for the higher um, priority items waiting for the quick fix team to look at it? And because well, if they identify a 15-minute ticket and they're working on it, there's other tickets for those 15 minutes that haven't even been looked at yet. You get, you get what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, true, but our quick fix teams should be bigger than our regular teams. Okay. The Everyone should start in quick fix even if you're a tier three technician you come in you do quick fix for a week or two and that's how you mm. establish your gains that's how again dream scenario not how it is now yeah no i i, no, I like that, believer though. if you're any technical if your goal is to be any technical role at all you need to do some time on the on the help desk yeah, yeah. for sure <laughs> um there's but, so but, much so our quick fix team would then funnel into the individual teams, which have a dedicated tier one, tier two, and tier three technicians. And uh, tier ones has, we have more tier ones than tier twos and more tier twos and tier threes. That's how it should always function in any MSP. You shouldn't have more tier threes than you do tier ones. That's backwards. We were just <laughs> yeah. talking about this. How many MPCs do you need on staff? Yeah. Uh, I have two, uh, what we call tier three technicians out of a staff and a health desk of about 25. Um, and they, don't like they do project work they do others right. they do onboardings like that's not they're, they're not dedicated to um but their their yeah, whole we, job we, is we do the same thing yeah. we have a core services engineering team that's devops platform infrastructure security are basically internal it and then we have a client facing support services team uh, of their whole thing yeah. do you guys separate out projects yeah as a separate department yep. business unit uh if it's over two hours automatically project goes to the projects team Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, uh, Alden kind of agrees. So here's my thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here. Um, funny enough, because he made a comment that actually affects him specifically. Um, says, "How technical does your dispatcher have to be Ooh, to discern the question. ticket level?" Um, and funny enough, his girlfriend is starting with us September 18th. <laughs> so to be that role, so we have two people that field calls, re, uh, review tickets, something like that, um, and that's the goal. But one of those two is building up a technical background. I, so we talked about the tier one kind of going away, the tier ones really being tier twos and tier one being a ton of automation tasks. Um, well, this is kind of the tier 0 0.5, the person that builds up. 
Um, there you go. There's Nikki right now. Hi, it's me. I'm the dispatcher. It's me. Hi, new dispatcher. Uh, word of advice from someone who trained our dispatcher. You just have to understand what the issue is at a very yeah. basic level. You don't need to know why the issue is happening or how it's happening. Right. And this has been a spoonful of advice. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I'll say it's not helpful for this situation necessarily, but for us, the most success we had in dispatching was when we found someone who was a, a former technical person at the end of his career. And oh, wow. he wanted a, kind of a low stress thing, just doing dispatching and, you know, not a lot of field work anymore. And so it was awesome because he would know exactly what was going on and be able to say, yeah, this is a quick thing. This isn't. Um, but I think we just kind of hit the lottery. I don't know if that's yeah, you a, don't get a strategy. Yeah. It worked out though. It, it was really nice. It, you weren't, you didn't get a, ended up in a position where you had a really expensive dispatcher though. No. Oh, see, I'll take one of those shit. Right. You, you, you <laughs> literally hit the lottery. Like right. that doesn't exist. <laughs> so, okay. So here's what we're moving to, right? Cause the person, the, the people that answer calls today, are non-technical people. They know how to enter the tickets. We have policies. They know how to prioritize. And actually, we have a we built out Salesforce to have a self-sorting system based on impact, urgency, priority, client type, age, blah blah. It has a ton we of factors. But we built it actually really nice to so the text just pick from the top of their list. That's it. That's what they're expected to do. Um, and so, but I want to get back to about four or five years ago. The person who used to answer calls for us. She was not technical by any means, but she knew how to do a bunch of quick fix stuff. So we ended up telling her, if you can solve it in two minutes, do it on the phone, solve it in two minutes. If not, enter the, and you still have to enter a ticket regardless, but if not, enter the ticket, let it be handled the normal process. I miss that level of service because what happens is we don't have text answer the phone. We have admin answer, well, operations answers the phone. So the MSPs that call kind of miss having that first call response resolution, yeah. thing, right? That's why I want my quick fix to triage is to right, answer. But are they answering yeah. calls too? That's a yeah. lot to ask, man. I, I got, if a 10 person team can't so accurately, I, I, I understand <laughs> that like I, it's, there are costs, like there's a benefits and negatives to the, to the situation a hundred percent, but having a technical person on the phone and then your pro problem solved within 50, regardless of what it is, it could be as simple as let's reboot your computer real quick. See if that solves it. That person is now a raving fan of your business. So because they didn't have to wait an hour, they didn't have to wait your SLA. Only people that do live answer tech answers say. You will never hear somebody that did it and moved away from it say that same argument. And what do you mean? So, okay. So I did that. Everybody that says the text live answer the calls give the exact same argument and the re as a reason for it. It is because it is a best-in-class customer service. The clients love it. Blah, 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 blah. Do you keep the clients on the phone while you're working on the ticket? Uh, no. I th we're the, the whole premise at the very beginning is okay. to identify the problem triage it can you solve it within the 15 minute time frame if, right if are none of those things hit 15 minutes or are they just solving or are they hanging up and solving the problem uh it, it depends on what the situation is like th there's you, it, it's hard to to justify but anytime right 90 percent of the time they're going to be on the phone so the reason i ask okay. is that how many of us have been in an office doing an internet swap or a server install or even removing a pup off a desktop and you have that person right over your shoulder asking questions as you're trying to get shit done. 
on the phone is psychology, off the phone is technology. I've been saying that for like 20 years. And so our goal has always been, this is MSP days, even pre-MSP days, my consulting days, get what you need from the client, absolutely have a call with the client 100% of the time, make sure you understand what they're asking for and get the hell off the phone because you're also wasting their time being on the call, right? Yeah. It just and depends so, on what it is. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm not advocating for them to spend four hours on the phone with a client while they're just clicking on buttons on the computer, right? Yeah, but if I'm not married to you, I don't want to talk to you for 15 minutes either. If I have and, uh, going on. some, but some clients will absolutely demand to be on a yeah. phone the phone, and then some clients won't call in at all. Like we right. have a client that says, "Email us only. I don't want to talk to you in person." Right, and, and I'm like, "All right." <laughs> and if you go to right your doctor the... and say, "I want to be awake for surgery," what are they going to tell you? No. Do you uh, get what I'm saying? There's a reason. First off, there's th th that person's insane. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not different. You cannot. It is. It is distracting to be able to, and it's distracting, and it's and it's honestly exhausting to require somebody to be on the phone talking to somebody while they're solving it. And you cannot tell me they're just as efficient as if they were off the phone. It I, I don't think there's a, a hard answer to this, right? So and, you know, the classic password reset you're going to stay on the phone, or if it's something like you're trying to fix a busted scanner and you have to have them try scanning something every two minutes, like you're going to stay on the phone for that too. It's just totally context dependent. One hundred percent. Like okay. I don't, I if if a, an application there they have like let's say a line of business QuickBooks doesn't work or something like that. My quick fix person who's technical but answering the phone isn't going to solve that. That's going to get escalated. They're going to get as many details, much more accurate than someone who's non-technical. Um, I want to point out a uh, list in the ticket for the next yeah. escalation point. Right. But yeah, I don't, we don't, like, we don't that's a two-minute phone call. I've made a yeah, phone call max. Um, but the password resets, they're already doing, right? Um, <laughs> and, and that, so and how many of your tickets have been, uh, I need to reset my password and it turns into also I have a printer jam. Also, I have this problem that, that came in two weeks ago and I never told you about it. Is Those get documented into separate instances and get kicked off to their own ticket. Sorry, client. You got to report them when you're reporting. Best in class customer services if you're solving all of their problems on the same call. Well, uh-uh. Right? Each, uh, like no, I'm not advocating. That's why I'm said. not advocating for best in class. <laughs> I'm, I'm not advocating, advocating for what's efficient. <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate. So no, I, I think that though is the perfect argument for right. So so we had our dispatcher, and if it was something he identified as quick fix, we called it ticket sniper. We would send it to that team, but he would get the information like, is it just this? So like get us everything right at the beginning of the phone call, and then they can make a call. Okay, this can go to the quick hit team, this has to go to the regular team. Yeah. Um, that seemed that to me, that's the argument for dispatch because if, if my person answering the phone is sitting there working a ticket then who's picking up the next two calls that come in during that 15 100%. minutes yeah and, that, and that's why like i i mean obviously i'm sure you know your call load i'm sure you know your ticket load and you're accounting for all that and your staffing i i get that like i'm it's easy to argue the high level stuff without asking you any of the details on purpose but, <laughs> yeah. um it, but it, it's the i think it's the best system that allows uh quick resolution and also making sure that the information we get uh, trans, you know, is is transportable. Um, not because we have non uh, non technical people on the phone, um, you know, answering phones right now, and they do an amazing job. I love every single one of them, but they have desires to be more technical role. Oh, for sure, and, that and that's hard for us to be like, well, that we're not designed for that. Hmm. Now we have to bring up someone else, and like it, it becomes a lot more difficult to 
because someone has to spend time teaching them technical if they're not technical right yeah and that's a time teaching period right um well it's more so because there's there's in the, if you don't have a dedicated system in place to train people who are non-technical to be technical and they may not have an aspiration well, that's why you hire somebody as technical for the role correct but we have what i'm saying is we have uh what we call our intake team who are not technical yeah so and I'll, let me give the flip side of that, right? Um, and again, this is devil's argument. I'm, I, there's yeah. no, we've all seen, there's no right one right way to do everything. So I don't want anybody to assume like I'm saying, Kyle's wrong. You should never do that. Even though I tell Kyle's wrong. Well, if you're like most MSPs, you'll change it like right. a year or two anyway. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so, but my point is this, how many MSPs also those soft skills, how many really great technical resources do you have that have amazing soft skills too, to be on the phone? And again, I argue everybody low should go through health desk because you learn that. It's a low right? percentage. And so, and and that's the problem. These yeah. are the people you're saying stay on the phone. You can't tell yeah. me they're giving better customer service than somebody trained in customer service. Uh, there, like I said, there's there's pluses and minuses. Um, yeah. There is a uh, a system that any MSP can can put into place to help them <clears throat> figure out what works for them. Uh, adopt a system. Adapt it to your needs. Um, oh God, I lost the other two. There's two more A's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel so bad then. <laughs> uh, adopt it, adapt it. A couple other cool things that make it overcome. Nice. <laughs> um, it's Damn funny it. because like to dispatch or not to dispatch is like, it is as old of a question as do you do ACE or do you do block hour or what PSA, yeah. what RMM do you like? These are arguments that happen every single week in every single community. Um, uh, I think it to, to my opinion on dispatching comes down to, can you afford it as an MSP to have what amounts uh, to a cost center, not someone who they will prov obviously provide efficiencies, but the, yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, they're just a cost center. They don't pr produce profit for an MSP. And if you have someone you can hire to that is your dispatcher, is your help desk someone, the area where you need to, where you can ingest that into. That's the secondary so question. Maybe that's, well, a, great that's a really good point for another episode where we can talk about uh, one of the things I really love to do is look at things that are traditionally cost centers, right? Security. Security is a cost center. There's no question about it. If you look at any anybody that's doing MSP financials, security is a cost center. It is yep. not a revenue generator. Um, however, if you start looking at an intangible stuff, you can start calculating that and say, okay, well, great customer service leads to a Google review. How expensive would that review be? How, how expensive is it to get a testimonial? How much value does it have? And there's other ways to determine ROI beyond just financial. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, efficiency so. gain, like that person is going to gain you efficiency, therefore pr more throughput and productivity from your help desk, yeah. uh, in my opinion. Like not everyone's going to share that, which is fine. But you have to look at it from there as well. So while they are a straight cost center, they're going to improve the other aspects of your business. And yeah. is that the, that is an it, absolutely lovely conversation. It's like it, calculating ROI on marketing. It is it, it is absolutely fuzzy math. Anybody that does, you know, just standard math knows two plus two is four. Anybody that learns, you know, uh, prob stat knows two plus two can be five sometimes. And if you do a finance, two plus two can be 17 if you depreciate it, right? Like, it's just, these are hard questions. Matt, we yeah. cut you off like 17 times, dude. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I'm sure it was not. Actually, I'm sure it was an extremely insightful, but now it's been lost. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, whatever it was is gone. It must have been talking. How you feel? Uh, I think it was the it. end of Kyle's list. Is actually what I was going to say. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and uh, remind everybody: be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> so we have uh, we have six minutes left. Uh, let's see what we have here. Uh, unless Spooner, you had any uh, any topics you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I don't have anything specific. Oh, here's one. Anybody struggling to hire level two technicians? TLDR, level two teams have been a nightmare to grow. They instantly believe they're worth so much more than their contribution to our profitability. Does there even need to be a level two? Interesting. Yes, How do you deal with level, level two, two prima donnas I mean, yes. on the service coordinator <laughs> with a mid-size MSP, minimally technical role? Okay, so this is not an owner. This is a service coordinator, uh, aka dispatcher. Um, I've been here 10 years, so I know the MSP space pretty well. Um, and I'll put the link in the chat. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, prima donnas and hiring. <laughs> That's, there's a lot to unpack there. You're, you're going to run into that with all the levels. Like you have someone yeah. who who uh, managed to fix a, an Outlook instance, and then now they want to be a tier three technician and want 100K a year. You're going to have people who overvalue themselves, uh, and you're going to have people who undervalue themselves. It's just the name of the business. And if you're hiring people with uh if you don't have a specific guidelines to determine what you feel is level two and what your uh what the person you're interviewing feels is level two if you can't bridge that gap in your hiring process that may be your issue yeah. um we have four questions we ask uh which determine where you fall in the spectrum what of level one to level three <laughs> That's uh, question no it's uh one of them is what's the difference between file share permissions and ntfs permissions and it's not just what you answer it's how you enter that determines um what level you are because we put matt on the spot i mean uh, he's he's experienced and then some i, I want to see how he does on the spooner or, how would i answer that question yeah, yeah. I, I would say NTFS ones judgment. are the only ones to ever set because you'll shoot yourself in the foot by screwing around with file share permissions too much. No arguments there. Okay. Um, I mean, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> what do you got in the top? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's pretty high up is what I'm, is what I'm saying. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> congrats. You definitely would have made level two at least. So uh, Currently on If that I answer it wrong, can I like have less stress and there's, only reset passwords right? all day? There's no yeah. wrong. I mean, yes, but I'm not paying. No, there's, there's not currently paying. Getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> what you do is you go change the SID. No, 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 oh, no, God. no. Um, <laughs> not saying I've ever seen that firsthand or anything. Um, and, I, and, and maybe those are the, uh, you ever go in and you look and you see a customer environment that has red flags that are so bad, you just say, I have to nuke and pave. We cannot continue this. Because yes. I'm raveling spaghetti. Yeah. And so, like, modifying SIDs directly, like, when you start seeing a bunch of those little hacks that you know damn well work, there's, there's not the problem. It's just they're not scalable. It's like file permissions, file share permissions versus NTFS permissions, right? Um, you know, where you see a bunch of stuff assigned to users instead of groups and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, everybody's local admin. And so there's always those little red flags. And I'll leave We're that in the, the chat. in administrators group because you put the file share in the domain controller. Yes. That's a good one. I love that. Uh, although I'm not going to lie and say I, I'm not, I may have installed QuickBooks on a, on a DC once or twice. Um, I'm a questions. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. So, so let's let's finish up with Matt. How? So, what is the proper answer? What is the spoon answer? So it's recorded. Uh, so anybody that goes to work, I, I would say level two, level two and a half. Um, from from that answer, uh, <laughs> what? Damn. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, what's the purpose of the default gateway? Oh wait, who are you asking here? Because now you're in my territory, sir. It's just a, it's this the question. What's the what's the uh, purpose? I mean, so it really ends up being the default route. To another network. The default gateway is the last one. The, the yeah. gateway of uh, gateway last of last resort. resort. Yeah. Zero route. Yeah. I swear, if he calls me a level one, I'm kicking. No, his ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a... were you looking up the answer? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at past answers from uh, the oh. chat we have. Uh, I. There you go. I know Alden's kidding, but yeah, <laughs> um, I would say it's it's probably an SVI on like a layer three switch. That's my answer. There you go. All right, I mean, are we talking IBGP or EBGP? What are we talking? Yeah, about? right. Let Let's do the complicated. Let's dive answers. into this. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, what's the purpose <laughs> of the Windows file extension? What was that? What is the purpose of a Windows file extension? No, I want to know the good answer to the default gateway one. Right. Yeah, let's uh, hear this. You want to know what a high level answer is? Okay. No, I want uh, to know like what. Yeah, yeah. What's a tier three? Actually, answer? I think it would actually be helpful. Like as much fun as we're having to hear what yeah. a typical answer would be. This is a routing device in the network that facilitates communication with other networks and subnets. It serves as a guide for local service requests that are otherwise unable to navigate the internet or any network past the local network. You can see the IP address of the default gateway used by a computer with the IP conf config command. Occasionally, uh, troubleshooting the default gateway is unavailable or the inability to reach other subnets. Yeah, that would have been a level one answer for me. Only because you do, you do use, you use default gateways within a network even before you get out to the internet in many cases, at least in the networks I design. Um, well, that's true, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry, that that's this is my home place, though. Networking, that's a good point, like, though. Yeah, I mean, you're talking. Uh, I mean, if you really want to get into it, it's separation of logical domains and your ability to cross across them. And there's other gateways besides the default gateway, and they're going to be weighted. And depending on the matrix, the metric, it'll depend where you land and how you route out to different stuff. Because you may do load balancing, you may do minimal hop, you may do whatever. Um, and that lot, there's five questions. That. If they answer that. Don't hire him. You can't afford him. Yeah. Is is there like, you know, HSRP in this network or something? Because uh, then it's it's nothing. So yeah, can, you, can you define the network? Let's watching? go back to where I'm familiar with. Um, <laughs> what is the purpose of a Windows file extension? I think, Matt, would what would you rate his answer as a, if you were hiring him? If I would never that. say that answer verbatim. I don't think I would ever get hired. Like, I, I couldn't memorize that whole thing. What I just said? Yeah. That was that was, that was uh, someone who responded to. So the way we do this, uh, uh, obviously, that was a Google the, answer. That's why. Uh, <laughs> maybe, well, no, the way we do this, that which way this should happen. I can't say that they didn't actually Google it. Uh, is obviously everyone does recruiters, right? That's a thing. You you reach out, maybe you yeah. get someone good. They are supposed to, in their process, sit with them and then ask them these five questions, and they just type. They don't verify. They don't check. They just type whatever said, and then they send it back to us. And that is it. Um, we read their answers and determine where they fall on the spectrum of tier Does one. Does anyone ever send back like joke answers or like somebody's overqualified uh, and they like, someone, some ridiculous answer? Someone had submitted literal gibberish before. 
Uh, <laughs> why submit it at that point? Like, well, they they said things that sounded technical. Is, oh, but it was just like uses like complex words to sound smart, kind of thing. Yes, uh, which gotcha. is which immediately weeded them to be like tier zero, oh. <laughs> right? Intake, quick fix. Yeah, tier uh, zero, nice. Yeah. Uh, but there are multiple like it's like it's not just what you answer; it's how you answer. Like yeah. with with the answers you gave me. I would put you higher than most of our technicians or at level of most of our technicians, like our high level technicians, right? Because it wasn't just the answer you provided. It was how you provided it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 gotcha. I will say um, level one network engineer versus level one. Okay. So this is, I'll give blanket advice for anybody that ever tries to work for any of my companies. If you apply and during your application, you say you're a network expert, I'm going to grill you like you've never been grilled before. Just avoid it altogether. Just don't do it. Like if you're, if you're applying for tier one and anything says network on your resume, take it off. Oh, I'm putting it on. I'm network plus certified, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Circa 2013. Oh man. Well, my MCSE is 2003. So, you know, uh, whatever, dude. <laughs> I know, uh, that IPV, IPv4 addresses, uh, I, there's a book I have that I am looking at. I found it. Uh, that will tell me how to subdivide them again and determine subnets. <laughs> um, okay, you'll appreciate this. You'll appreciate this. So we're doing a data center migration this weekend, and we have a new subnet, right, for uh, new IPs. We're re-IPing the gear, moving rack to rack, whatever. Um, and the subnet information they gave us was wrong. Um, one of the subnets we were given was a slash 27, um, and it was in the subnet gateway they gave me was wrong and I'm typing it. I'm just, I'm being dumb. I'm typing it in windows and on the windows server and windows is arguing with me. It's like, no, the network host is wrong. Blah, blah. It doesn't tell you what it should be. It just tells you it's wrong. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I, and I pointed out to the, the, the team working with me this week in my CSE team. And I'm like, it keeps giving me this error. Can you double check what was given to me? And so there's, there's seven people or five people on the call. I sit there and I start doing the math. Right. Like I start breaking this out by hand. I'm yep. drawing it out. And my to their credit, the rest of the non-idiots on the team, they just went to the subnet calculator on Google. And they were like, no, 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 the subnet should be dot two twenty-four. Um, but it was like one of those things, like we all got to the right answer. It was just yeah, mine was the old and longest way to do so. Still got it at the same time. That was the pre pro everything is has to be a programming exercise era. <laughs> you know what's my favorite question? Write down what the what a loopback address is. The entire one twenty seven block. Well, yes, that's and that's the catch, right? So loopback is anything in the one twenty seven slash eight, but most commonly it's one twenty seven dot one. So if I see somebody write one twenty seven dot one or anything in the one twenty seven slash eight, I know they know their shit. And if they're like ninety nine percent of the rest of the planet, they'll write one twenty seven dot zero dot zero dot one. That's what I write because that's how I, I'm going to write how I program. That's how I local IPv6, host to my computer. Colon, colon, one, oh god! Yeah. So that works too because right we were, we were talking about this. We're talking <laughs> about the one you know that I and you pointed out. IPv6 has the con concatenation. I can never say that word. Um, I just do concat. Yes, thank you. It has the concat uh, in the spec? Right. That's what you're pointing out to me, Matt. That IPv6 yes. has has that right to remove it's the in zeros the spec, and middle zeros. But seems to work in works, anyway. But it was never in the spec. It yeah. just works. So uh, when are we all switching to IPv6? Uh, sometime in 2150, I would imagine. 
<laughs> like, are we out of addresses in B4 already? That was I the mean, thing when I was yeah. reviewing my network code. We were out of addresses in 2004. Yeah, like forever ago. They still get assigned. I mean, you still have government agencies that hold entire slash eights, and it's mind-boggling to me. And they're not—they're using them for like everything has a public IP address. I'm sorry, a publicly routable IP address is the proper term. Like that shit drives me fucking nuts. Anyway, that's that's a whole other conversation. The, the way that V6 was done was like one of our biggest failures as an engineering uh, discipline. Like all of that is good stuff, but we should have solved the initial problem of longer addresses and added all the ancillary stuff as a totally separate protocol. Yeah, I think. Well, because then how many four to six uh, schemes are there? There's like four or five that are like common practice and there's a million others like workarounds, not to mention CG NAT, not to mention like, and, and IPv6 calculations are a real pain in the ass. That I absolutely That's, uh, I hate IPv6. Like when I was, when in the book, I was like, thank God this hasn't been like fully ratified yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> just reading about it is just like my brain hurts. I mean, but at the same time, when I go to Aaron and I apply for blocks, I'm applying for, uh, I'm applying for V4 and V6. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't say this because these things are like freaking liquid gold. Um, Aaron will assign you a slash 24 V4 if you need it for the express purpose of migrating to V6. I have some um, migrations to do. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> I shouldn't say that though because I need it too. <laughs> I need like three more slash twenty fours. Um, so I don't, I don't have a need to have an IP block. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a service provider life, man. That's that's. Yep. Uh, I'll I just write wanna, looks cool in the justification form. That should do it, right? I do want to. I just out want real some. Quick. Uh, SIP just announced uh, like an hour ago, hour and a half ago, a new 4.1.0 release. CyberDrain is one of our partner communities uh, like MSP Geek, like IT Pool Party, like uh, Reddit and MSPs are us. Um, so he put it out there and I'm sure he'll do it on LinkedIn tomorrow. But 4.1.0 is out. Go read the release notes. We'll put the link in chat uh, so you can go check it out. And yay for CyberDrain. Boo for CyberBrain. <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> we were talking about, uh, Kelvin pointed out to me a job posting that said you needed five years experience with SIP or CyberDrain. Um, do you have five years experience with SIP, sir? I, I absolutely do. <laughs> I've, I've been working on CyberDrain pre-alpha, pre-laying pre down the first bits of code. That, so that was the thing I said. I, I told Kelvin, I'm like, well, they said and CyberDrain. And the blog has been around. Kelvin told me like 2012, 2013. Um, exactly. So you could have five years experience doing CyberDrain scripts. And I, that... I've known Kelvin for five years, which gives me automatic <laughs> access. <laughs> I'm going to go migrate a few networks. Do not take my slash 24s, Alden. Um, so... He's going to take them and sell them back to you. Dude, oh my God. Like, I feel like an asshole because the last time I looked at buying slash 24s were like 3,500 bucks and now they're like 20 or 30,000 and you still need air and approval. It doesn't change, but they're like 25 or 30 grand. And I'll give a tip for anybody out there going to buy IPv4s because apparently there's other people like me. Um, if you go to buy, get a sample of the IPv4 from the broker and check the list because there's lots of them that have been black holed or have been blocked for spamming or whatever else uh botnets so not every v4 block is equal be very careful with that 
Um, that's why I just blanket by all of the V6 address. Because one day. Oh, yeah. One day. And 3078 QR. <laughs> I'm going to be rich. <laughs> my family's going to. My, my Whoever gets the at that point in time. But I will, I will be the one. Do you want to guess how many IPs Aaron gives you by default if you buy if you request a V6 block from them? Two million. It used to be a 64, right? It's a 64. It's ridiculous. Oh no, I'm sorry. They give you a slash 48 if it's one site. If you're one site, it's depending on number of sites. So a slash 48 uh, at the smallest, a slash 32, but slash 32. So it's even bigger than I thought. You might want to switch screens there, Ray. Your IP addresses on the. No, this is Aaron. It, the very top of the page of the website. <laughs> My IP address is yeah. I mean, good luck if you want to freaking try to hack me. Go. For I'm, it. I'm just trying to help. I yeah. like it's the internet. It's there now. <laughs> Somebody's running me on Shodan right now. I see you, Alden. Don't even. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, IPv6 block is depending on the number of insights in your network, not the number of IP addresses you anticipate using. No, I was right. This is yeah, you were exactly right. correct. I was incorrect. Yeah. I'm going to get a slash um, 32 for the one block. I mean, but I don't know. Like, it drives me nuts because they say the same thing about v6 as they said about v4. We'll never need this many addresses. There's no point. You only need 640 kilobytes. Who's going to need more? Well, yeah, yeah. You only need 640K, <laughs> right? That's what Gates said. Like... <laughs> And so they said the same thing about V6. We'll never run out. There's enough IPs for every grain of sand. Yeah, but when you have devices nowadays that are pulling multiple IP addresses or you have everything on your network, my toaster has, not my toaster, my toaster doesn't have an IP address, but I have a million other IoT devices. I um, TP-Link Casa right here. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just I think they're right, that. though, because it, it'll be like 2070 and we'll be doing like quadruple CG NAT to still use IPv4. It's, it, oh, I don't think we're going to get rid of it. I don't think I, I, I IPv6 is cool and all, but I think that's going to be external only to hit yeah. your site. But internal is all going to be IPv4. I yeah, I can't see doing v6 in an internal rollout outside of an enterprise. I yeah. I did it a couple of times just because I kind of wanted to and yeah, saw absolutely no benefit from doing then, that whatsoever. There's no change. How much? How miserable was that for the rest of the staff that had to support that? Right, go back to our earlier conversation. <laughs> Bad <was> idea. <laughs> and that's a that's a great point to wrap. We just dovetailed the whole damn thing. Um, you know, I I would love to hear from anybody on Discord if they're actually using V6 as a standard deployment. Um, I would love to meet that one person on the entire planet. Uh, but I I mean, I'm sure somebody is. I know enterprises are because you kind of have to at some point. Um, and mobile but, phones, but very rare, right? So. All right, so Kyle, you joined last. I'll let you uh, go first. Anything you want to tell the audience before we uh, let everybody go? You guys are awesome. There you go, right from the uh, spoonful of advice. Uh, what about you, Matt? I can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in your name. You're the top guy. I true, I can <laughs> top that. Uh, I will say the same thing I say every time, which is until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Actually, I should go over the uh, upcoming events. I should probably do that before my staff yells at me. Did they load it? 
fuck they did. Okay, so we have upcoming <laughs> events. We have, uh, oh, we just did this. Bits and Books, uh, last Friday, first episode ever, uh, hosted by Marnie Stockman. Uh, it's and, on the, go YouTube, but it's on the YouTubes. It's great. It's a fun episode. Absolutely. We, uh, we have MSP Community Live going on right now. Uh, we have wins and losses on Tuesday, two days from now. Uh, new time, 7.30 p.m. Ben Canning of Hack Your Health will be on as our special guest with Jason Slagle and myself. AI Roundup, your best 15 minutes of AI news uh, every week. And then we have, oh, we have a partner first. Secure, simplify, succeed with identity and access management. I don't want to guess at who that company is. Um, 38 at 38, uh, pre uh, releasing on Friday with Joel Purcell of Bell Technologies and Mr. Aaron Bolton, the host. And then MSP Dispatch every Tuesday and Friday with yours truly and Tony Francisco. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate you. I will see you in the communities. And until next time, I'll do it one more time. Take care of yourselves and each other. been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.